Yeah, there's a lot of nonsense out there around manifestation and a lot of people just doing repeating positive affirmations and mantras like I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire. And they believe that if they say it enough times and it's going to become true. But again, we've got this subconscious operating. So if we think of our conscious minds as the tip of the iceberg and the conscious mind as the like the rest of the iceberg under the surface, the subconscious mind is kicking back every time that the conscious mind's like, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire. I, you know, like I have a dream house. The subconscious mind is like, bullshit bullshit and the subconscious mind is actually what's running your running your life i'm right and you're wrong once you start labeling people categorizing of humans and ideas you have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being to who they really are and in the marketplace of ideas these things are complicated man we all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints a genuine multicultural connection with another I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by Heretic Happy Hour, whose tagline is burning questions, not people. Join hosts Shonda Jaw, December Rose, Dr. Reverend Katie Valentine, Keith Giles, and myself, Matthew J. DiStefano, for a happy hour filled with quality conversation, fine fellowship, and perhaps even a laugh or two. Unapologetically irreverent and crass, yet sometimes profound, we make sure to pull no punches and leave no stones unturned as we discuss the Christian faith. But listener, beware. There will assuredly be some serious sacred cow tipping. If that sounds like your cup of tea, or bourbon if that's your thing, head on over to heretichappyhour.com to stay up to date with us. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast fix. Welcome back, everybody, to the Ideas Digest podcast, where we, two optimistic Aussie blokes, explore challenging ideas that divide us and try and work out why the hell can't we all get along, Matt? Very difficult. Everybody's fighting about something. Facebook's blowing up about something. Algorithms. Let's solve this problem, man. <laughs> One episode at a time. My name's Conrad. And this is Matt. New friends of the show. Welcome. Super friends, super welcome. These are the people that went to ideasdigest.org, signed up, threw some coffee money at us. Ugh, thank you. Thank you so much. Support the show means the world. Thank you. Matt, review or not a review? I love this segment. We love getting reviews and we love five-star reviews. And guess what? I have a five-star review. You tell me if it is real yeah. or if I made it up. One day we're going to flip this around. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you find. Yeah, okay. You can do next week. <laughs> Uh, here's the title. Ready? Yep. Open-minded and intellectual explorers. This one's for you. Decent intro. I hope this is ours. Uh, this one says, I share this podcast with everyone who likes to explore ideas. Wasn't that everybody? Conrad and Matt are both... <laughs> Matt got the intro. Must have made it up. Conrad and Matt are both engaging and talk about rather complex issues with a refreshing lightheartedness. Matt, this goes on. I won't... It's a great... It's a glowing review. Is it real or not? Yeah, so you would have inserted Conrad and Matt anyway, like you, if it's like... I don't know. Yeah, I probably would have. Yeah, it's true because I want it to be. It is. Yeah. So thank you, <laughs> friends of the show that went to Artist Digest on Apple Podcasts, left us a review, five star. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Moving on. Matt, update on the war front. Mm -hmm. We are, obviously we need an enemy, snarky Instagram accounts that make memes about people do really well online. Yeah. We don't really want to you making fun of anybody like mm. in the meme sense it's not super nice especially when you're trying to understand 
why people disagree so much. And it's not us either. And work towards, yeah, it's not really our brand. So we waged a war on the algorithm. Mm-hmm. And the way that you can help us to wage the war on the algorithm is to, when you're listening to a podcast, share it with a friend that agrees and share it to a friend who might disagree. And you've got to make it intriguing so they actually listen. So this one comes in from Reese, friend of the show, Reese, sends through a screenshot of his text message he sent. The episode is last week's one on manifesting. Okay. And he says this, how's this for a hook? Hey, mate. 10 minutes in, thought of you. <laughs> that guy's got to get at least 10 minutes in. You'd be scrubbing in. over 10 minutes. <laughs> Just go, is this... Is this... What, what do you mean? Do I need more money or do I need to be better looking? <laughs> yeah, what do I need to manifest? <laughs> so thanks, Reese, for helping us wage war on the algorithm and bust through people's echo mm. chambers with a good recommendation for, from a friend. If, if a friend recommends a podcast, I personally try and listen to it. Yeah, it's the way this thing grows. So thank Sport you for... The- you support the them. comrades. The comrades. Yeah. And you get the Join thanks in. from the Conrads. <laughs> Love good. the dad joke. Yeah, it's good. it's good. Okay. We have been exploring manifesting. We have been following yeah. the rabbit hole of manifesting. So last week I read a book. Well, actually I went, I was in the YouTube world and seeing these SoCal girls being like, you can place an order with the mm-hmm. universe and your wishes will come true. And that's how you manifest anything. Wealth, happiness, health. I was like, where is this coming from? Came across a book, Dr. Wayne Dwyer. Dwyer. Yep. And I read that. So go back, listen to that episode. That was interesting. Kind of, he's like the, the guru, one yeah. of the key gurus. And Big father, father figure in the space. Yes. And so I kept going deeper because guess what, Matt? We are in Bali. Surrounded by it. We are surrounded by it. So I kept going. And I found a new friend of the show. You know what? Like little side, there's a favorite cafe we love here called uh, Rise Cafe. Come to Chungu, definitely check it <laughs> bit out. Of a plug, bit of a plug for Rise Cafe. Not sponsored. <laughs> we'll Not take sponsored. Sponsor. Oh, but if you're a super friend, you won't get the ads. But it's very common if you go there and you like you uh, we we order our um you know our Indian dish, basically breakfast, lunch, dinner, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. We love it. But one thing I've noticed going in there is a lot of life coach, a lot of you big know, of online life coach. Yeah, That's yeah. like number one career here in. But it's sort of taking Bali. me back to Sabbath school, like when you had like those, which translation is sort of like Sunday, Sunday school, school, and uh, you would then afterwards have like potluck and have lunch. Oh yeah, everyone gets together. Yeah, and you know everyone would pray at that moment, and mm-hmm. would sing. it was very wholehearted. Yeah, yeah. I see it happening in rice. Oh, people praying. People are like, oh, they're not. They're they praying Manifesting food. food? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly what I ordered. No, but I actually really like it. Okay. I'm like looking around going. Nice. Amen. Amen. Am I right, guys? <laughs> so, Matt, this week I made a new friend who is in the manifestation space, who is a coach. Okay. Who is in the space of manifesting. And it's not exactly what you think, right? Great. It's not exactly what I thought. So I put up a poll on Instagram pre-interview with friend of the show. And I said, is this, is manifesting, is it A, legit? Is it B, magic? Is it C, snake oil? Mm. And is it D, work of the devil? I'll go through the poll now. I like D. Majority of votes, where did they sit? Why don't you put aliens in there, Conrad? Could have been an E. What? Aliens are behind manifesting. In a dimensional being. That's a subcategory of magic. Yeah, true. Uh, so what do you think most people sat on? Snake oil. Yes. Over 50% Deacon's of friends of the community. show 
were maybe atheist friends of the show, yeah. maybe ex-Christian friends of the show, going, this stuff's BS and snake oil. Maybe but maybe if you would have asked them, if, does prayer work, that it's, it's more homely to our audience. But no, if no, you go manifesting... But I did that poll previously. Okay. So what was the prayer poll? The prayer poll was also at least 50% people saying they prayer works. Okay. So... And the snake oil percentage on this one? 53%. Ooh. So, but then that still leaves, my maths is a bit off, 47%. 47% people went with either legit, magic, and a solid 10%, so not nothing, went with work of the devil. Mm. So some Christian friends of the show listening to Manifesting going, we explored the episode on hell, mm. right? So then Christian friends of the show maybe coming from that perspective and going, no, no, Manifesting's real, but it's from the dark spiritual side. Yeah, true. So we have a we have a variety of perspectives on 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 manifesting. Matt, I've been speaking to friends of the show, and here's what they had to say. Interesting. Manifestation, it just became so trendy, didn't it? Like in the mid two thousands, with the secret, uh, your thoughts are things. Manifest anything that you desire, and. Uh, Myself and my friends got really into that narrative. Um, but over the years, really discovered that it's a lie. And um, if you are monitoring your thoughts all the time, it really has the ability to make you miserable. So I don't think manifestation is real, mostly because people don't acknowledge the other factors that have helped them to get to where they are in life. So things like... Um, being conventionally attractive or being rich or living in a stable Western country or, you know, having a strong passport. So you can manifest all you want, but certain things have to be in place. And if you don't have these things, what then? So I do think that there is some power in positive thinking, but it's mostly a placebo effect. So if you constantly have a positive mindset, you're more likely to be motivated and improve your life. I just don't think that you can imagine success and it shows up in your life. So my understanding of manifestation is that ultimately it is for the good of the collective entity, humanity in general, and uh, bringing about the awakening of all. And what I see mostly is that people are manifesting, attempting to manifest for their own personal need with selfish motive. So it exists, but we're doing it wrong. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So it has power, but they have to wield it wisely, just like <laughs> the ring. <laughs> the, the one ring. Maybe I'm just a skeptic, but I really do think that manifestation is snake oil. I don't think we can materialize something out of nothing or dream things into being. I think life is more complex and complicated than that. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above. And so, no, I don't believe that we can manifest anything. I believe that God in his goodness and mercy gives us the things that we have and that we need. And he also gives us the ability to get things. The Bible says he gives us the ability to earn wealth. So is it work of the devil or it doesn't exist? Could go either way on that one. Manifestation has this get out of jail free card built in that says if it doesn't work, you weren't doing it right. To me, that lands it in the same camp as faith healings, Ouija boards, and entrepreneurship courses. There are true believers, and there are charlatans, and they're all trying to sell you something. It's profoundly difficult to separate truth from lies, but if you'd like to find out how, you can pre-order my book or sign up to my exclusive group coaching program for just $29.95 a month. And I promise, it's not a problem. <laughs> That's clever. 
respect yeah. and I'm buying right now, but don't you dare get a free- I briefly bought into him. I'm like, <laughs> he's pitching. You're like, this guy's legit. I know, I know. Wait a second. He got me. It's Maybe good. he is legit. And Werner's laughing. He's like, no, no, seriously. No, no, seriously. He just got a free ad in the Artist Digest podcast. Have you seen fuel prices recently? <laughs> Buy my course. Well done. So that's what friends of the show. So we've got a bit of a spectrum there. So yeah, thanks for really sending in your thoughts on manifestation there. So- in light of all this, diversity of opinions, manifesting, where's it come from, snake oil, is it legit, is it of the devil? I wanted to know, how does it work? So I went to a coach in Ubud and had a great long conversation and Matt, I did something I've never done on the show before. And I'm not going to tell you, I'm going to pull you in. I'm going to pull you so you yeah. keep listening. So meet Jennifer, new friend of the show from Ubud and is a manifestation coach. Let's say we've, we caught up, I was in Ubud, I was walking around, eat, pray, loving, finding myself, and we run into each other at like, I'm trying to think of an Ubud restaurant, like the elephant or, or something. Sayuri, mm-hmm, yep. elephant. Yeah, baby, mm-hmm. we're doing yoga, and I look across, oh, hey, Jennifer, nice to meet you. Uh, my name's Conrad. Jennifer, introduce yourself to me as if we've just kind of met. Who are you and what do you do? Hey, all right. Well, Conrad, I hope you're having a great yoga class and a delicious vegan bowl. <laughs> so you're yes, at um, the same time. <laughs> I'm Jennifer, and I am a guide in people's inner worlds. So what I'm super passionate about and lit up about is exploring people's subconscious minds and the shit that people exile into their shadows, because that's where I think the real gold is and where real change happens in people's lives. And I got to this through hating myself so severely that I wanted to kill myself till I was 29 years old. I was so miserable in my life. And then I went through this like massive spiritual pilgrimage in uh, Asia and discovered that I was actually a pretty awesome person and learned how to accept everything that had happened in my past and everything changed in my reality. And the only thing I wanted to do was to support other people to have big transformations and learn how to be really good friends to themselves or how to love themselves. That? The, helps, she specifically helps with her inner world. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, the inner world. So that was very interesting. What's that? What's that I hear? Matt, are you, are you judging her? And so I judged her to her face. Friend of the show, P9881, says... Jennifer's got to be a tree-hugging hippie. True. True. Well, good. Well done, P9881. You've got her in one. Jesse confesses and says she's probably some rich, middle-class SoCal girl. Ooh, yeah, I can get that from the photo. Um, I'm not from (laughs) South California. Um, I'm not rich, at all, okay. like by any by any standards. Oh, but that, okay. sorry, that's not true. It completely depends what you define as rich and what affluence means to you. But mm-hmm. I think by the the expression that they're using, rich so, SoCal mm-hmm. girl, that's that's yeah. not that's privileged. Not yeah, coming from money. Privileged, Dad's privileged. Yeah, privileged. Yes, rich in uh, in my world. No. William, I reckon he, he's a bit of a skeptic and he's confessing this to you. He's like, she's some level of snake oil salesman. Yeah. Um, people will think that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I invite everyone to keep their skepticism, please. Mm-hmm. So I um, do not sell snake oil. That's not okay. there. That's not on any. Not as a literal product or, or the, or the metaphorical product. scam product. Okay. 
Uh, Naomi Peets says, uh, and maybe perhaps Naomi is a Christian, confessing her judgments here, being she's got to be a Satanist or connected to Satan or using the devil magic somehow. No. No. Russell says, says, I think he's going at the political angle. Jennifer, you've got to be anti-vax. Oh, that's a tough one to get into. And anti-vax, I think everyone has their own body and their own uh, choice with that. And um, I kind of want to stay away from this topic. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Which pretty much right. says, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think uh, Russ might infer infer a position there, but that's okay. Thank you for for playing along. Now I want to hand it over to you and say, what judgments do you face if you're maybe you know we're all online or when you're meeting new people? What judgments do people throw at you that I might have missed? Oh, they think that I must be into like love and light and be a vegan. And oh yes, uh, are you a vegan? Not a vegan. Love. Oh, I would have. I would have judged nah. that. <laughs> yeah, people think that I must just go around like preaching love and and um, only be into positive thinking and mm-hmm. like askew anything that's to do with like negativity or or darkness or like yeah that I, that I sit in meditation for an hour every day and uh, yeah do yoga and yeah, just preach love and light. Mm. I get that a lot. Okay. And would you say that is a not accurate judgment? Yeah. Not accurate judgment. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't, this could be a similar question, but I'll, I'll ask it anyway. If you have, you know, we have our camps, right? When we just divide everybody and you would sit in this camp that people would say is, is like mm, less scientific, not a materialist. Like it sounds like maybe you believe in like a spiritual realm and things like that. And we're going to go into, you know, if that is what you think or not. But then the enemy camp would be maybe a hardline materialist being like, show me the peer reviewed data. This is all kind of a, a scam or it's just it's placebo or it's all this sort of stuff. Do they... Do, does the quote-unquote enemy to your camp, what stereotypes might they think you are? What what words or stereotypes or labels would have you received or do you think they would judge you as? Yeah, so I think the people in the more sciencey camp, which I definitely have a tone, it's not my forte, but a lot mm-hmm. of what I do is backed up by science. Um, they, The people that are hardcore in that camp that are like, you know, really there and um, they would definitely think that it was snake oil that it's uh, a load of woo woo and fluff mm. and and nonsense and yeah. uh yeah i mean there's like there's people in my family that think i'm an absolute charlatan and like what i do oh. is absolute nonsense oh yeah yeah. Oh, yeah interesting yeah okay i mean the belief the beliefs what it is that I do is just very different from what most people believe in and what most people are taught when they're growing up. Yes. So, um, yeah, so the whole science uh, camp would definitely, yeah, definitely think that it's a load of woo-woo nonsense. I had a bit of a crack at guessing her political leanings. I threw the, <laughs> I threw the anti-vax one in there. <laughs> And I was like, I, I don't know, we can, uh, we can infer those things because I was going, oh, we'll see how we go on that. Um, I do think it's all relevant because mm. the reason I go political sometimes is to go, are there commonalities in where these beliefs lead? Yeah. Because when you vote in a, in a, like politics is like the rubber hitting the road yeah. of your beliefs. So that's a theory I'm operating on. Do I want to, sometimes I feel like I want to include like, hey, who'd you vote for? Yeah. I don't know if it's too personal, but. Uh, in oh, a casual way of bringing it up, it's like. 
So who do you follow on Twitter? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's just that's actually another good question I should mm. ask, which is who's your guru? Like, yeah. who, who are your gurus or your your number Top one five influential books? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So and you know I was shocked at Matt, not a vegan. Yeah. So broke that one. Did you have any judgments that I missed that you might have had? Probably my judgments would be like more uh like it's a very typical character arc of someone living here in Bali. Okay. In a wood. Yep. Being a coach. It's just like mm-hmm. a very popular thing. Yep. Um, so my judgment would be Running from something. Why are you here? Yeah. Like finding herself. Why did you choose Ubud? Like why here specifically in Bali? Mm-hmm. How long have you been a coach for? That that would be me confessing my judgments. Mm-hmm. You think there's a common trend of the Ubud person? Yes, mm-hmm. very much so. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I yeah. remember when I first rocked up to Ubud years ago and I was in my first sort of indoctrination into like co-working spaces and stuff. And I'm like, you know, Matt Potts just come out of ministry and someone's got tarot cards out and other person's oh, like no. doing energy healing and stuff like that. And I'm like, where am I? Snake oil. In the lair of den. the devil. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so it was, Um. yeah, she definitely, that would for me fill the uh-huh. stereotype. Yeah, so a woo. Yeah. A new age woo, Ubud, and find yourself. And if you're yourself. not from like... Yeah, the equivalent would be the, the hippie place near your, like... Byron Bay. Everyone has Australian it. Australian friends of the show. I don't know what America would be. Somewhere in Cali. Someone that would go to Burning Man. Burning Man. Yeah. There it is. So, anyway, Matt, I'm like, she seems like a vibrant, engaging woman. Yep. She's got something to sell me. How can she make my life better? When you introduced yourself, you you spoke about how you're a guide to the to like the the spiritual inner world and you shared a little bit of your journey which I do want to go into in a little bit and you're saying you know you came from a really hard place hating yourself wanting to kill yourself and then discovered something that transformed you it sounds like you've got a secret Jennifer and I'm in the car I'm in the idea car yard I'm walking through kicking tires going man I need some more fulfillment in my life I need life to be better you walk up to me what do you have to sell me what can I buy from you today the belief that there's absolutely nothing wrong with you and that every single part of you deserves to be respected and accepted and deserves love. That sounds like a not a controversial idea. I think everyone could okay, go, all right, cool. that sounds like a pretty good idea to get on board with. I think many Christian friends of the show listening would go, yep, I, like, I think that's totally true as well. But what I guess what's different then, because I can go, yeah, I guess... Yeah, okay, I, I want to believe that, or maybe I think I believe that. Does everybody believe this, or is something else going on there? Is there another layer that you're working with? So that this is where the subconscious mind and the parts of ourselves that we've exiled to the shadows comes in, because we don't generally, people don't spend a lot of time looking into their subconscious and into their shadows. So it's often very easy to like ourselves and accept ourselves when we're having a really good day and work's going well and we're in love. But there's other times in our life where life is just like kicking the shit out of us. And like in those moments, it's hard to not beat ourselves up. It's hard to not be down on ourselves and be and speak to ourselves inside our own minds the way that we would never talk to a good friend or someone that we love in those moments. But that's what we do. And it makes our life so much harder and it keeps us in those shitty places for a lot longer. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. so I do think like, yeah, people can be on board with this like self-love belief, but you know, if you're like having a bubble bath and you're like, oh yeah, this is self-love, but you're sitting in the bubble bath hating on yourself. That's not actually self-love. Like, so I think mm-hmm. that we've all got parts of ourselves that we really struggle to accept and to love. And I'm in the business of uncovering those parts of people 
and supporting them to actually accept and love those parts. Mm-hmm. How does how does manifestation fit into this picture? Because when I when I'm looking at your website and I'm looking at your work you do, I think there's a I think that was the quote on the post that I put on Instagram which is like manifest your dream house and your perfect relationship. And when Matt and I were first looking into this idea, we're we're on YouTube, we're looking at these videos and there's some perhaps from South California, young, looking, privileged girls as we judge them from afar on YouTube going, you can manifest anything you want, place your order with the universe, it's going to rearrange itself and give itself to you. Bring me into that space as you see it because you might have a different uh, definition of the word or interaction with it or maybe it's the same, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot of nonsense out there around manifestation and a lot of people just doing repeating positive affirmations and mantras like I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire. And they believe that if they say it enough times then it's going to become true. But again, mm-hmm. we've got this subconscious operating. So if we think of our conscious minds as the tip of the iceberg and the conscious mind as the, like, the rest of the iceberg under the surface, the subconscious mind is kicking back every time that the conscious mind's like, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire. You know, like I have a dream house. The subconscious mind is like, bullshit, bullshit. And the subconscious mind is actually what's running your running your life. So a lot of what's happening in, with manifestation and like place your order with the universe is people just trying to talk at the level of the conscious mind, which is only mm-hmm. running uh, 5% of our days, 5% of our biologies. The subconscious mind is a massive processor that we have, which is under the surface and actually running the show. So I have a, I have a um, chip on my shoulder around people that think it's all just like positive affirmations and mm-hmm. like positive thoughts. And as long as you do that for five minutes a day, then you're going to have your dream house or your dream your dream partner, whatever it is that you want to manifest. Whereas the truth is it takes a lot more digging and a lot more exploring what are the beliefs that you've got inside your own mind that are actually Mm. stopping you from believing that you're worthy of having these things. Mm -hmm. It it sounds like you're angling at a approach or a definition of manifestation that goes, if we use manifestation or positive affirmations as a tool to then excavate what's going on inside of us, that voice that calls bullshit and says, no, you're not rich. You can't have that. You don't deserve that. That negative voice. It it sounds to me as if you're talking very, I suppose in the physical material realm going a, a way of thinking then influences your decisions and then your decisions then influence what will happen in your life. And when I contrast that to the alternative, or at least what I've seen, perhaps some people talk, maybe I'm misconstruing it, but that some people talk about manifestation as a metaphysical spiritual realm that the universe scientifically wants to give you things. And it's a law of the universe, this law of attraction or this law of affirmation, as if it's like, if I can just positively align everything in myself, then the universe somehow physically just goes, oh, Conrad's doing it correctly today. Like he's finally aligned his chakras and he's he's manifesting correctly. So I'm going to give him the money. Talk to me where about your specific version of how I suppose manifestation works and why you use that term. Okay, got it. So 
I think the example you're just giving, for me, that's based on the, the sort of um, belief that there there is a personified version of God that's like, mm -hmm. you're good and you're bad, so you're going to get the thing and you're not going to get the thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas the way that I see it is when you're... Uh, when you have your subconscious programs running, the beliefs running in your subconscious mind, things change in the outside world. So if I believe on a fundamental level that I am worthy of having a phenomenal partner, then that can, then that happens. So, uh, so for example, uh, two years ago, I'm living in Bali and I'm single and I really wanted to be in a relationship. And I became aware that one of the beliefs that was running in my mind was it's impossible to find a guy in Bali who wants to be in a monogamous relationship. So I used my conscious mind to become aware of this belief that was running, mm -hmm. that was stopping me from meeting someone who was wanting to be in the sort of relationship that I wanted to be in. And so I did some work on removing this belief from my mind, and then they appeared. How does that work? I don't know how that works, but that mm. is the experience of what happened for me uh -huh. and what I see over and over and over again. Yeah. Mm. So it sounds like it for you, it feels as if when you engage in this practice, becoming aware of this negative self-talk that's going on within yourself, and then you work on reprogramming that subconscious mind then it feels as if well the outside world has changed what what would you say to the skeptic listening going well yeah it might feel that way but you've probably it's just like confirmation bias it's like as soon as i'm wanting to buy a a, a white kia rio i'm just like oh there's one there's another one man everyone's got one now it what how would, would you, are you okay with that explanation or you think that you think there might be something more going on I think to the people that are skeptical, like keep your skepticism, but give it a try, you know, yeah. and see what and see what happens, because I can't explain the workings of of that, you know, but I can say that I've experienced in myself and in my client's life over and over again, the reality that once we've gone in and we've removed programs running in the subconscious mind, then things have changed so yeah i can give i can give some more examples but I, yeah i'm just a big fan of skepticism especially like these days where there's just a lot of um privileged white so so-called girls who are like all you have to do is light the sage and say the positive affirmations and then the universe is going to give you the thing i think it's uh, i think it's a bit more work than that um but there is something that i can only say seems magical based on the beliefs that we're and the brainwashing that we get as we're growing up you know it sounds like you're not too worried about the mechanics of the how it's working it sounds like you're saying if i just accept this as a premise and go with the idea that my subconscious mind is probably limiting what's happening and then i do some work then it then it kind of works and if people go well it could be this it could be that you, you sounds like you're saying well that's that's fine i'm just doing it and and it, and it works. Yes. <laughs> Essentially, <laughs> okay. yes. It's like I, I can do, I know my part that I play in helping people change their minds and change their belief systems. 
I don't really understand how life changes afterwards other than mm -hmm. our beliefs are different, you know, and that seems to change the interface between us and the world. Mm -hmm. And so maybe we, for instance, the guy that I ended up being in a relationship with, I'd met him two or three times before, but I just, mm -hmm. it hadn't clicked. Something hadn't been there. So maybe after I've removed this, um, after I've removed this belief, then uh, I'm actually able to see them. Now, what's interesting about what she just said there when I ask her and I'm pressing her, I'm like, how does this work? I'm curious. Is mm. it magic? Is it psychological? Are you just giving yourself positive talks? Get on, get on your mat. Give it up. <laughs> Clearly I'm great at encouraging people. Yeah, I know. I'm like, what's going on inside your mind, Conrad? <laughs> Keep it up, mate. Keep it up. You can do better. <laughs> and so, so anyway, Jennifer seems unfazed by explanations. Mm. She's just like, I don't I, know. I liked how she approached your response. Yeah. Like, I thought it was just like, yeah. This Here's me being like, tell me how it works. Yeah. And normally some people like with a theology, they would be like, well, God is like this. And if you pray or mm. if you believe this thing and that's, and they have like a full yeah. theology about how prayer works or how salvation is going to work. If we're taking a religious example, yeah. but she's just kind of like, it feels magical. It could be this. It could be that. And I can't fully explain it. Just give it a go. <laughs> yeah. Give it a go. If you're skeptical. I, I really like that. It should be interesting. Maybe. Okay. Let's assume that what she's, I'm just going to assume what she's gone through and everything is legit and she's onto something really quite powerful. Yeah. Would it be possible then that a lot of that, you know, that potentially that Christian fundamentalist that would then just launch into theology is unaware of their subconscious programming? Oof. Good question. I didn't ask. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah. Uh, another good question I didn't ask was, do you not care what's true? I feel like Christian friends of the show would be thinking if she's like, oh, I don't know how it works. It just feels magical. Yeah. You could say then, well, you're a coach and you people are yeah, like, so. And don't you care what's true? It's like, you're not even, you're not even trying to work out what's mm. true. Like, do you not care? I'd be curious to see if I pressed her on that. Yeah. I guess you could say the placebo even still, like it's still great. Yeah. It's like, don't you want to know how this works? Mm. Yeah. So into the next phase of my interview, which is, which is what Matt? Trying to find that, that connection humanize them mm. really going how did she get here mm. what's her journey she's in ubud how'd you get here i suppose do you have a then spiritual belief or journey behind behind this so you know religious friends of the show christian friends of the show they have you know a theology and an idea of the universe and how it works and it's a you know it's a religious structure do you because you said you spent some time in india you know on a, some sort of a spiritual journey, would you say you have a religion or spiritual beliefs that led to this or are a part of this? Um, I grew up uh, very, very Christian until I was 18 years old. I went to church every single week. And the thing that I'm so grateful to that experience for is I have really strong faith. And so I have faith in something that I can't ever really describe because I don't think that it can really be put into words and described. Um, but I don't, I wouldn't say that I'm Christian or uh, Buddhist or I respect all of these different religions. And the, 
the, the word that comes to mind is just love. Like I just believe in mm -hmm. love. I believe in loving ourselves. I believe in loving other people. I believe that love is the most powerful uh, force in the universe. What didn't work for you growing up religious? Uh, what was really tough for me growing up was the hypocrisy that I saw, especially mm -hmm. going to church. So having to put what on kind of really like, it? it was Protestant, Protestant mm -hmm. Christian church. Any, any specific brand? Uh, church of Scotland Protestant. And so I hated putting on the scratchy clothes that I had to wear, which was expected of me and the shoes that were uncomfortable and to go there and sit. And I remember just thinking everyone seems so miserable. Like people are like singing from like hymn books, but everyone just seems really unhappy and really like judging each other and what they're wearing. And I really disliked this from a very young age. And, uh, yeah, so that definitely didn't work for me. And then as I got older and, you know, and I started to become a teenager and I just, we were going to service at 9.30 in the morning. I didn't want to get up and go that early. So um, I started saying I don't want to go to church. And then I was forced to continue going to church through uh, being guilted, essentially. Uh, you know, your dad works so hard for you. The only thing he wants is to see you in church every week. So you have to go. So then mom and I really started fighting hardcore and uh yeah and I continued to go and it felt uh yeah it felt really hypocritical a lot of the things that I was seeing like the messages that were being given um from Jesus about loving everyone and accepting everyone that wasn't what I was seeing it was like no only this uh, version of person is accepted Sounding like a pretty stuffy, stuffy, ritualistic version of Christianity, which didn't really impart to you much of its theology, I suppose, or much of its picture of Jesus. And that didn't seem to stick with you at all. What then was the driver for you to head out on? But some might, some might hear it as the eat, pray, love journey of going, I'm going to find myself. I'm going to India. I'm going to, I'm going to try other religions and see where, how do I fulfill my life? So I think that what prompted me to like really quit society was a little bit later and working in advertising. So I went to university. I was actually top of my year at university studying communication and marketing. And I quit um, sort of just to go away and do my gap year. And I decided to do something adventurous and I wanted to actually come to Australia overland. So this was 2001, three weeks after the Twin Towers had gone down. And I wanted to get all the way to Australia without getting on an aeroplane. And I got as far as Bali and didn't, didn't manage to find a boat to Oz. And I just wanted to do something adventurous and different and see the mm. world. And it was like a super crazy trip, like traveling with, you know, I had to take Claire at that time. That makes me feel like so old. And, That's uh, cool. I, 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 what were they? The Walkman? Yeah. So any yeah, Walkman. I don't, I had Sonny Walkman. Eventually in China, I upgraded for a CD player. But, you know, Hope and I had, had like... -shock. It did not, which was a problem <laughs> in uh, the bumpy roads in life. Sorry, um, um, sorry, Gen Z's listening. We used to put a CD into a little player, and if you shook it, it would stop playing. So you had to keep it really still. Anyway, uh, keep going. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and guidebooks with paper maps and out-of-date information. So it was it was pretty, uh, pretty wild um, trip. And then I... I started to realize during that trip, I started to meet people from different parts of the world that had different belief systems, which is similar to what you're doing on the show, right? It's just like presenting different options, but it, 
at that time you had to go out into the world and travel and meet people that were that were out there and so I started to um see different ways of living lives I met people who were you know maybe working for a few months and then going away from traveling for a year so I started to see different ways of, of living went back to Scotland to you know do the normal thing and got a job in an advertising agency and started working as a project manager and I hated it I hated being in an office. I just really, really felt miserable and I was good at it. And I could see, oh, I can be really successful doing this. And I can, you know, like end up being incredibly rich and, you know, having a swimming pool, which is something in Scotland that we don't really get. And, and having being a swimming the- pool in Scotland, when would you use it? <laughs> well, it's indoors. Indoor, indoors oh, okay. heated uh, Ooh, swimming pool. That's but some that level, level of wealth there. Okay. Right. But that was like the sort of environment that I could see, like I was 23 at this time and I was seeing the people who were almost 30 and that was the level of wealth that was on the table. And I also saw the, um, the alcoholism and the, mm. the, unhappiness and the the health problems that people were already starting to have (laughs) and so I realized that's not for me this is like I can do that but I'm not going to be happy and so I decided to quit and to travel because the only thing I knew was I was happy when I was traveling like I was happier when I was traveling Mm -hmm. than I am now and I just need to I need to try to find happiness because this way it's not going to work and went to and um, went back to India. My backpack was stolen in London Heathrow Airport before I even got on the plane. So I literally arrived in India with my paper uh, ticket and my uh, traveler's checks, and and that was it. And then got to have a wild adventure in India, and and I started to see the people there. And I'd seen it when I traveled before. People that had nothing were so mm-hmm. much happier than me, and that broke my belief system because I always thought no you need to work and get stuff and then you're going to be happy because that's what I'd been told over and over and over again when I was growing up and what I saw but I realized like hey but the people with stuff they're not happy and now I'm seeing people in India who really don't have stuff but they seem happier than than others so it was like a lot to get my head around and I did some wild travels I went through Pakistan and discovered that every everything that I'd learned in the media about people from Pakistan was just nonsense. There were people mm-hmm. crossing the roads to buy me tea because they wanted to talk about politics and, and spirituality and beliefs. And they were like incredibly well-educated and just wanted to talk about philosophy and, you know, different perspectives. So I was like, wow, a lot of what is taught in the media and, mm-hmm. you know, promoted in the media is just simply not true. And, and I continued and I ended up going, there was a big earthquake that happened in 2005 in Pakistan. And I was actually sitting with my grandma in India um, and the, the ground shook. And I, I, she just asked me this question, what are you contributing to the world? Because by this point, I've been traveling for a couple of years and mm. everyone was like, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your life? But my grandma asked, what are you contributing to the world? And I realized... Yeah, I'm not really contributing anything to the world. So this big earthquake happened and I was like, I'm going to go to Pakistan and see what I can do to to help, even if I just give a 100 bucks of my own money and then leave. But I ended up going there and meeting about 10, 15 other backpackers and we pulled together a grassroots project um, where we got uh, metal roofs for people whose, um, whose houses had been destroyed in the earthquake. 
And during that time, I'd always had in the back of my mind, like, I'll eventually work for an NGO or charity organization somewhere in the world. It was always in the back of my mind, that's what I'll do. And when I was there in Pakistan, I saw, actually, the NGOs, they don't have their shit together. Like, they don't know what they're doing. I saw, I don't remember which big organization, it was Save the Children or Oxfam or like a really big one. They had done an um, inoculation project, so they'd been vaccinating um, children. And they just left all of the needles. They tried to like burn them in a fire. And it was like the spiky hedgehog of needles, like used syringes at the corner of a school playground where the kids were all playing. And I was like, this is crazy. I saw the UN and what they were doing and the amount of money that was being wasted. I saw the culture of apathy that was created by all these mm. NGOs rushing in to, to help mm. and to save. And I was like, this isn't the way. This isn't actually how... And can contribute and to support like life on earth and so then I fell into a massive depression I was there for two months and um, in Pakistan sleeping in the villages with the like, people there the Taliban were actually watching our camp and telling us that we're safe because they were protecting us while we were there it was pretty wild and yeah but I left Pakistan after two months I had completely burnt out like I didn't know the concept of burnout at that time but I was done done like I had nothing left to to give and I was completely disillusioned because my dream of like working for an NGO had just gone and I had no idea what to do and that was when I got more open to spirituality and more open to what I would say are more new agey ideas like Eckhart Tolle had just re released a, a new earth a book which talked a lot about the ego and the um, yeah like the pain body and different things and I started to to look into my own mind and see like the the pain that was in there but it took another four years of like running around the world and crazy crazy places and crazy travels before I really had like my big awakening and like had a big big change inside myself what was the idea I suppose what was the gateway drug idea that made you shift everything towards a more spiritual type of lens or a more um transformative worldview what was that first i suppose idea that you had to accept that you might say if everyone else could accept this idea it might change their life mm, that came as part of the realization but the big whoops upside the head that i got was the realization that i hated myself and that came out of nowhere for me because i like i knew sometimes that i was really miserable and now you know I would say depressed but at the time we didn't use words like that but it came clear to me that I actually hated myself and I was like well I have to figure out why I hate myself you know and that was what led me on um several months in silence and walking alone in the Himalaya and meditating intensely and um, just sitting with this idea of why do I hate myself and exploring inside my own subconscious mind. And then I got to the point um, of realizing that every point, every part of me is worthy of love, which is the, that for me, that one big idea, like every part of me deserves to be accepted. Every single part of me um, deserves love, which is the idea that I believe can revolutionize the world. Any, any questions I should have asked? I was very curious from that point about the awakening. When she mentions, yeah, like, she I had said I had this awakening, and I'm like, oh, what is that? It's just because like it's, it's a very common thing in new age movements of 
well, at least the guru type books that I've read mm-hmm. where they have that awakening. Is that like a realization you think? Yeah. That, you think uh, it's a word, you think it's a- It's like a Damascus road experience from Paul where like there's a real like, you would say um, a turning point in their life mm. where they experienced peace, joy, and it's like a complete transformation in their selves. Do you think the word- I don't know if that's what she meant though, but it's really? very common people like, I had an awakening and then this happened. And so she said, I had this awakening and I walked through the Malaya, blah, 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 blah. Mm. It's very, and like they relearn the universe. It's like a rebirth, mm-hmm. you would say. It's like mm. very much like becoming a Christian mm-hmm. in some senses, but it's like yes. this, it's, it's a spiritual, I'm not saying in her context, but like maybe a, a, a spiritual level is achieved. I'm just thinking of yeah, Mario. I know. <laughs> he just gets just the like, mushroom. I'm like, yeah, I like leveling up. So, funny video games. <laughs> so do you think it like awakening that term could be like, if it was a Christian language, yeah. it could be like- I would have just lasted on that. I'm like, so yeah. tell me. Could be like born again. Do you think yeah. these, are, these new age movements, it's it maybe a buzzword for them. Yeah. It's like a common word. Interesting. Yep. Fair I enough. mean, some people, the, the equivalent Christian version of like, I, I, I walked into the church, I heard the sermon, mm. I knew it was about me and I burst into tears. Yes. And my life turned around. I gave up alcohol and drugs. Yeah. It's the turning point journey. Yeah. So that's the question. It's like, I really was trying to pin her down on like, what spiritual beliefs do you hold? Do you have a specific picture of the universe? And she was always very vague about it. Very just like, yeah, just peace and love. And that's my faith. Mm. And I was like, okay, interesting. Like just a, just a very broad stroke of that's 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 her faith so so she's talking about becoming aware that she hates herself Mm. and then dealing with that how do we do that matt i probably hate myself you probably hate yourself i think that's actually whole subconscious thing i'm actually i dig it yeah i think it's a huge thing subconscious something we can't think of i think Mm. i don't know it's it sounds weird to say like i definitely hate myself but i could have i don't know sounds pretty well, like Sam Harris's like free oh, yeah? will stuff is all about this. It's just like, we're not really in, like, we're not as in control as we think we are. So atheist friends of the show, probably on board. Yeah. Christian friends of the show. They'd be on board, but on board. with a healthy <laughs> skepticism. With a, with, from an arm's length. Yeah. They're on board, like, but from an arm's length going, okay, yeah, maybe we hate ourselves. So my question, Matt, how do I know I hate myself? Cause it's subconscious. Mm-hmm. How do I fix it? Give me the product, the solution. Here we go. How do people actually believe that? Do you think most people like you did hate themselves on some level? How do you not hate yourself? Because we can, we can have this idea and go, oh no, it sounds really great. I don't want to hate myself. But then it sounds like you're talking about this inner realization that there is something that I hate within myself. There is, there is this something. What, what can change that subconscious if you, if you can't necessarily access it or even be aware of it? So everyone can be aware of it. It's just that we, we numb it out in different ways. Like there's billions of dollar industries involved in like numbing out and not actually looking at the pain that's under the surface, but it still manifests in different ways in our, in our life. So the, the unhappiness, the chronic unhappiness that we, that we feel um, that's there, but we don't really explore it. We just like, you know, oh, I'll just like keep scrolling or I'll, you know, whatever other like ways of just taking our minds off the pain because it's uncomfortable to sit with the pain. And so by actually 
being still, let's say, and looking into our subconscious mind and recognizing what's there, we're going to see parts of ourselves that we that we struggle with, you know, and whether it's like we don't like our job or we're unhappy with our bodies or, you know, it, they can be uncomfortable realizations to go there, but we can look deeper as to when did we start believing that? Why do we believe that? Like, why does that seem like it's true? And then find the part of us that believed believes that and change it. And how do we how do we do that? How do we actually change it and find it? So finding it is just awareness. You know, we could like you can just look at any of your area of your life where you feel unsatisfied or unfulfilled. Um, and there there it is. And the changing it for me, the most powerful tool that I found is EFT tapping is the technique mm-hmm. that I use. Um, I changed all, everything in my life through meditation, but it was such a convoluted, weird path that I took that took so many years of running around in Asia. I was like, this isn't a prescription that I can write to someone else. Like we're traumatized so quickly. Like we must be able to move through the trauma faster than I just did. And so I was really looking for a technique that allowed us to rewire our brains to um, to discover and love ourselves. And uh, yeah, and that was when I found tapping. So what what is tapping then? And how does that link in with like, I suppose, manifesting? So it sounds like manifesting is what happens as a result of changing the subconscious mind and you use EFT tapping to change the subconscious mind and that can lead to the manifestation of what we're looking for in life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I discovered EFT after I'd had my big realization. But yes, essentially what we're doing is we find things in our subconscious mind that we're unhappy with, we can use this technique on them, and then it um, it changes. So EFT tapping is a self-healing modality, which is very empowering because you do it on yourself. So it's not like I'm waving a magic wand at you or like sending you some energy and then you're healed. It's something that you do on yourself. And it's it's got its basis in science, which isn't my forte, you know, and if you're listening to me, you know, like that's not my camp, but there is, there are 10 year studies done at Harvard around stimulating the meridian points, which is what we do where we tap on different meridian points. And that's proven by Harvard to decrease cortisol, which is the stress hormone and increase oxytocin, which is known as the love hormone. So there's changes that are happening inside our brain as we tap. Um, And the technique works by tapping on the meridian points and also talking about the things which are an issue in our life, Mm -hmm. things that we've got negative Mm -hmm. thoughts or negative beliefs about and fusing it together with positive statements um, of acceptance. So that's where the more spiritual side comes in. I don't know if, you know, um, how aware you are with like the new age principles or Buddhist principles Mm -hmm. around like acceptance, awareness and compassion. Uh, We're bringing the negative belief to the surface by talking about it. We're tapping and then we're fusing it together with uh, and positive statements and acceptance. It how, woo-woo, how, I know. <laughs> no, no, uh, th- like keep going into that woo-woo space because I suppose where, where are the limits of this 
idea and how does the the spiritual realm fit into it because you're you're speaking in a very like okay cause and effect like the materialist listening would be like mm, okay citations please but interesting sounds like speaking about it could be useful like there is this decent science that shows prayer really helps it very much for the personal like you're speaking about it you bring it to the surface like you're saying and then it's like oh maybe like the physical tapping mate if it does release these chemicals and i can see how it can do all those things bring me to the other half of this space that you i'm unsure yet if you occupy because a lot of people in the barley space in the ubud space in the manifestation space they like hold to, I suppose, very Eastern or people categorize them as new age or these like, I mean, I was doing a meditation the other day. They're like, oh, you like align your chakras and I can like, we've got to connect with the, I don't know, the, the, the spiritual grade of stuff. So how does, how does this, how does this stuff fit into it? How does, yeah, how does the spiritual stuff fit into EFT tapping? Yeah, I suppose so, or at least your worldview, uh, like as an extension of. So you've you've d- developed a practical set of tools that you help people with, and go, hey, try this; it helps. Talk to me about, I suppose, your spiritual worldview that goes that might, I guess, make it m- more potent for you, or maybe it fits with some spiritual principles that you go, okay, and and this is how I see the world, and that's really why this appeals to me. So it's coming back to love again because. I I mean, who doesn't love being in love, right? Like everyone knows that Mm -hmm. state where you're falling in love and the world just feels amazing and fantastic, right? Like everyone, I really hope everyone's had that experience who's listening to the show. And what if you're able to get yourself into that state through doing something like tapping? And, you know, we can sit there, we can meditate, we can pray, but when we're tapping, the, the infusion of, getting ourselves into a state of love combined with tapping it seems to like put it deep into our subconscious minds and into our brains and i would love at some point if you're up for it i can do like a five minute demo with you and that everyone can join in because honestly having a direct experience of this is just so much better than me like trying to explain how it works and trying to convince people and it's one of the great things that's possible in like three minutes for you to decrease your stress levels and be like oh uh-huh. there's something in this so the spirit my spiritual world views it's like yeah i fuse that together in my sessions you know like this belief that every single part of you is worthy of love that everyone is worthy of compassion that everyone mm-hmm. um that if everyone was able to accept and to love themselves we'd be living in a very different world i infuse that into my sessions but it's not necessary there's like EFT can be done very surface level, very like we're mm-hmm. just releasing some stress and it still it still works. So the technique mm-hmm. works without any sort of spiritual world views. It's not um, down to some dem- denomination or religion. So Matt, it sounds like the solution to you find like realizing you hate yourself is to look at those emotions, sit with those emotions, use the practice of EFT tapping mm-hmm. to confront those feelings and what you think. And then the EFT tapping will help you replace or diminish those beliefs now. Because you're tapping on the meridians. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, friends of the show do the fact checking. Yeah. First time I'm really hearing about meridians. Yeah. So off the top of my head, I'm like, cool. I have links. It's just like she was saying it releases oxytocin, but so does hugging. But like. There you go. 
I, I'm trying to understand. Yeah, I need to understand more about tapping. I asked her for some citations and she sent me a video. She might send me some more. I'll put them in the show notes. Yeah, if you would great. like to go down the fact checking rabbit hole, do it. I did not. <laughs> so I'm assessing this without facts. But I am a skeptic, Matt. Well, at least I like to occupy the role of skeptic. So I had some pushback. Okay. All right. So this is where it gets interesting. Did you actually push? Like push? push? Well, I'll let you be the judge of that. Okay. I, I tried to channel my inner Sam Harris. I tried to channel some Christian friends of the show. Sam Harris would not have handled this. Yeah. He's well, like, this is not how the subconscious mind works. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, yeah. I definitely wasn't on that <laughs> level, but I tried to like push back. So tell me what okay. you, here's what I asked and then tell me what I should have asked. What are the limits to this tapping then? Because I keep coming across, you can, you can heal sickness. It's like, you know, you think, you think positively about your body and then you can actually physically heal yourself or, you know, we probably don't need to go to the doctor for these things because we can just manifest health and we can manifest heaps more money and we can manifest, like, where are the limits to this idea for you? If someone comes to you and says, listen, I want to be a millionaire, I'm going to manifest this. Or I've got a severe illness or disability. I want to manifest this away. What would you be? What you? What would your approach be to someone like that? I mean, I would look at what their belief system is first and see if that's possible. On the health one, from my own experience, I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism, which is an autoimmune disease. In 2017, I got that diagnosis. And it was so intense that the doctor said, if you weren't sitting in front of me, I would think that you were obese and I would be ready to hospitalize you. And because my levels, the thyroid stimulating hormone, it should be 0.5 to 4.5 in the reference range. And mine was 82 when I was diagnosed. So it wasn't just a little bit out of whack. It was like way up there um, and so and the doctor said don't worry just take this pill every single day for the rest of your life and you'll be fine and there's no side effects and I was like mm, you know what I'm going to try to heal myself naturally and I gave myself three months and I started tapping I started using this technique which I'd already I think it was, uh, it was 2007 so I was eight years already using this technique and so I started working with tapping and working on different beliefs that could have created hypothyroidism. So the thyroid's located in the throat. So I was looking at all the different ways that I maybe wasn't speaking up in the world or um, anything connecting to my throat. That's what I was working on. And with and working on the fear of having this disease and working on the stress related to it. And after a month, I went back to get the thyroid stimulating hormone checked, and it was now, um, it had gone from 82 to 16. So it was four mm -hmm. times too high, but it had significantly dropped. And as I was tapping on it, as I was working on my belief systems, I also started taking vitamins and supplements. I started eating meat. I had been vegetarian for seven years. And I was able to do these things because if I, if I hadn't done any of the tapping, then my fear and my stress would maybe have paralyzed me and I wouldn't have been able mm -hmm. to do anything else. And maybe I would just have started taking the, um, the levothyroxine that the doctor had told me to take. But instead, within three months, I had the thyroid stimulating hormone in the normal reference range. And I went back to the doctor and they saw this and they're like, it's medically impossible. Like, and they, they wouldn't believe that I hadn't taken the medication and that I hadn't, 
yeah, th that it was, and I, I was like, do you want to hear what I did? And they were like, yeah. And I started talking to them about how I changed my diet and how I was taking vitamins and supplements and how I was using this technique of EFT. And they were like, it's impossible. What you're saying is impossible. And I was like, okay, mm. but I just did it in three months. So what, what, do, what then do you attribute the medical condition going away would you do you think it was the tapping or do you think it was the lifestyle changes or are you saying that the tapping reduced anxiety which allowed you to then make the decisions yeah i think it's something like that i think when we work with our belief system then we become more open to finding the right information and yeah, yeah like yeah i think i think if i just done the it would be curious if i just done the tapping to have seen what changed but at that point i was just like i'm doing everything you know so i don't know if yes. it was the acupuncture that i received or if it was one specific vitamin or supplement or if it was the tapping but i do know that i healed it in three months and that was 2017 and i get checked every year and it's it's mm -hmm. um, never been out abnormal again and i know that mm -hmm. that's scientifically impossible so is there are there limits to what's possible i don't know but if someone comes to me and they're like i want to be a millionaire i want to manifest being a millionaire and i want to say as well like i think i'm i, I do manifestation it's not what i bill myself as you know so generally people yes. are not coming to me saying they want to manifest things generally people are coming to me and they're like i'm really struggling with uh my inner critic or I'm really mm -hmm. um, feeling really stressed or my ex-wife is driving me nuts, you know, and then we work, we work on those things. But in terms mm -hmm. of what it's possible to manifest, I've I gave a session to someone, they wanted a new house and they were flat broke, like, and accommodation was like, um, really expensive. House prices were really expensive where they were living in, in California, actually, it might even have been South California. Mm -hmm. And they, they were like, yeah, we're going to end up in a ghetto and we can't afford it. And, and we, so we tapped on these beliefs and we looked into their childhood and the messaging that they got in their childhood and sort of experiences that they'd had then. And I got a message from her in a week and she was like, and they also had some sort of credit score thing where they weren't going to be allowed to have a lease or there was like other complications as well. And in the end, within a week, she she wrote to me and she was like, I, I got the house and it's perfect. And mm. it's like everything that I'd been asking for. So I can't explain how that happened. And it might just be a total coincidence, but it's pretty amazing. <laughs> you know, like it's it's pretty amazing. Would you say you listen to your own experience over science and what large data sets would indicate? Yes, 100%. Mm. And that's based on having listened to the media my whole like my whole childhood let's say until i was 21 and then going out into the world and like i said before having experiences in pakistan and being like oh my goodness that's what they were telling me was actually not true so yes mm. i definitely believe in following my own direct experience in the world and i think science is fascinating and i think that there's mm. like a place for everything but i'm always going to trust my own direct experience with life rather than um rather than data mm. so what do you say to, to people then that that here i suppose your approach to life and they go okay I don't, I don't disagree with you know you going through life and finding a way a modality that helps you be happier and you know it, it worked for you that that's really great but then they might say to you jennifer that's really dangerous because you're essentially saying that you know more from your experience than scientists, than doctors, than large data sets. And what 
they would point to, especially what it kind of leads to, is a distrust of potentially what the modern world in aggregate has achieved through collect being a collective. We have a scientific institution that has thousands of different scientists doing different studies and then collating that data and piecing it together and going, how do we remove bias? How do we remove placebo effects? How do we remove these things to make the most accurate statements? And then you've got um, other groups over here studying in a university field, psychology and things like that. And they've dedicated their lives to that and they write boring papers on it. And, and then they get their whole groups of people to peer review it. And we have these systems in society that have moved, they would, people would argue that it's moved society forward. There's less disease. We've got better medications. We live longer. All of these things they would attribute to like collective knowledge that we've pieced together and these systems, this scientific way of thinking that goes, it's all about the data set. Let's ignore the individual. And someone listening to you could go, well, I don't trust. And maybe I hear a little bit in you and you can correct me where I'm off, but I don't trust this world anymore. I don't trust what media is telling me. I don't trust what necessarily doctors are telling me. I don't really trust um, what these so-called experts are telling me. And and I think we saw that in the height of the COVID pandemic. It's like, we can't trust what our politicians are saying. We can't trust anybody. The only person you can trust is you. And people would say, well, that's dangerous because then we end up making worse decisions than when we listen to the experts. What's your take on a person that would say, Jennifer, I think you've got to be careful because I think you're leading people to not trust the experts. So, yeah, I hear you. I really do. And I would say, listen, like, listen and inform yourself if that's what feels really good to you. And I'm really grateful that I got the education that I did. Um through, you know, at university and, you know, grew up in a, in a Western society with that level of intelligence and ask questions, like question it, you know, and if it's working for you, if it's bringing you happiness, if, if you believe that it is creating a society and a world which you are fully on board with and you believe is working as a, as a structure and a system globally, and you're really like your heart is on board with that, then fantastic. You don't have to change, you know, like you don't have to, um, you don't have to do anything differently. Like, conti- like continue if it's really working for you and you don't see um, fault in it, then great. But if you do see some faults, then just ask questions, just like be confident enough to, to question it. And is it working? And, you know, like I said, you know, in order to back up EFT, I mentioned that there's studies doing it and being done at Harvard for 10 years. So it's not like that. I, I think it's all nonsense. I think there's definitely a place for it. And a lot of the pharmaceutical um, studies that are happening are all fun. Sorry. Yeah. A lot of the trials and studies that are, are like happening and used as research and empirical is funded by the pharmaceutical industries. You know, like there are different interests that are there in the top tier that, uh, yeah, that's like perpetuating the world as we know it. And I think that there's, I think that there's room and I think that there's time for, for change. And that, that comes from people asking questions, but you don't need to, if people are genuinely happy in their life and they think that the system and the structure in the world is working, then fantastic. Like continue, be happy, like love yourself, love each other. It's uh it's it's all good but personally it didn't work for me like i was looking around in the world in 2003 2004 and i was like this shit's broke 
Like I can't, like I can't, like I can do it and I will be miserable and I want more for my life. Like I, I want to go and see and experience what else is possible. And I went through transformation and I went through travel and, you know, now I, I'm a much happier person inside myself. You know, I'm less wealthy, you know, than if I'd stayed and worked in advertising and I don't have a swimming pool in my house. And, but I know inside myself that I am so much happier than I was if I'd stayed there. But if people really love their job and they love their life and they're, you know, satisfied, then, and, and science is working for them and medicine is working for them, then brilliant. Like, keep going, carry on. I hear you going, okay, see what's working for you, listen to your own experience. And I suppose this sounds like at the core of how different groups of people analyze the world. I have a friend that works in marketing and you you said you had a background in marketing too. And what he he's very kind of depressed about the state of the human psyche. And he's always saying to me, Conrad, we're idiots. We're a bunch of idiots that these guys run split tests on an ad they run and they change the color of that button and everyone clicks it more. It just works. And so his conclusions when he looks at the world and he goes, we can't be trusted to make these decisions. So he might hear you say, trust yourself, ask questions, look at the information. But he would say, mate, there are such good communicators out there. There's such good people who can convince you of a story. They can change a color. We're, we're so prone to the forces of our people controlling the subconscious going, oh, red, that's a good color. I'm hungry now. Like these biological things that keep getting hacked by other people to change our behavior, which measurably happens. Otherwise, marketing wouldn't exist. And so he would pitch to you and say, I can't be trusted to know what's true because I am not an expert in this field and someone places a compelling argument about this conspiracy theory and it makes sense to me because of course it does because I've never studied it and, and I don't know what the melting point of steel is. So when someone tells me it's it, steel can't melt at this thing and the towers can't collapse like that, I go, yeah, that does make sense, but I'm not an engineer. I don't actually know that. And I go, oh, okay. And so I guess the point is, is going... So like this marketing friend might look at what you're saying and go, it just seems so hyper individualistic that says I am the arbiter of what I can know and move through life and I can make the best decisions for me. And I have to kind of distrust everything because people are trying to manipulate me, which I guess is true in both worldviews. But now I'm the arbiter of, of what's true. And I think at its worst, what people see or maybe fear when they hear your worldview, they go, a lot of these people end very quickly in the cons- in the conspiracy camp. And they go through, well, if I can't trust mainstream medicine and I can't trust science and I can't trust uh, the politicians and I can't trust, I can't trust anyone, I can only trust myself, then it could lead very quickly to other actors convincing me of something that also isn't true. But because the mainstream establishment has been thrown out, I'm now going through at the whim of what makes sense to me without expertise. What's your take on that? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And it comes down to, do you know yourself? Like, so yeah, if you, like what you're saying is true and it's kind of what what happens mm-hmm. and what happened in my journey. Like I became disillusioned with the mm-hmm. society and then, yeah, I was in the conspiracy theory world. I was reading a lot of Noam Chomsky for a long time. He's a, 
an MIT professor and incredibly intelligent. And he actually says the only reason he's like that they call them conspiracy theories is to discredit them. Actually, they're just theories. You know, that's mm-hmm. what a theory is. It's like a hypothesis. Mm-hmm. But he's like, the only reason they put conspiracy in front of it is to discredit it. So I was there in that camp, in the conspiracy theory camp for a while, like a hot minute. And someone actually asked me at one point, like, is this making you happy? You seem like you're really angry. You seem like really angry mm-hmm. at the world. And I was like, you know what? I am really angry at the world. And so that was just a stage in my development. And at that point, I didn't know myself. So what you're saying is really true and you're making a really good point because actually people need to know themselves and to get under the surface of their own minds and their own belief systems and to actually like explore and excavate like what is the belief. So my mom, for example, if I can't have a conversation with her to do anything to do with spirituality or beliefs because she flat out says, I just believe what's written in the Bible. That, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, so she won't debate anything because she's like, well, my beliefs are what it says in the Bible. And so I would say to people, like, go inside and get to know yourself and get to know what's true for you. And there is wisdom inside of us that's there mm-hmm. that can be uncovered, uh, which isn't dependent on the mainstream media or empirical science or on conspiracy theories. You have to like keep digging deeper into yourself to find out the to find out the truth that exists inside of you. Mm. Well, I, I suppose what what is that truth that exists inside of you? Because are there some things we we can't know? Because I, I I'm thinking I used to teach economics, and when I see an economist do a study about something, they'll say. Um, you know, if you're talking politics, they'll say, oh, you can't have a welfare state. You can't have the government giving money because everyone will stop working. And then economists do studies and they go, well, actually, if you have a solid safety net, employment goes higher than if you don't. And I go, oh, well, that doesn't make sense. And so in that moment, I've gone, well, I didn't, I didn't know. I, did, I, I couldn't have known that within myself because it's, it's something telling me about the outside world. And I just go, well, I guess they did the studies and so I've just kind of got to either accept it or I can go with my gut, which doesn't have that external backing. I, that, that's the choice I have. I can go, well, these economists did this study with this sample set and they, they're telling me the opposite of what I thought originally. Is there some things that I can't know? So the level that you're speaking at is a lot connected to intelligence. And let's say that Intelligence is something that's learned, you know, and studied. But I would say that wisdom is something a little bit different. And wisdom for me is something that we get through is something like meditation, where we sit and we don't have any distractions. Um, we, we see what arises from inside ourselves, And there's a lot of shit that comes up at the beginning. There's a lot of like nonsense and thoughts. And as we continue to go deeper, then we start to maybe connect more to our guts, you know, maybe get like deeper under the surface. So are there some things that can't be known? There's some things that we need to study, you know, like I'm not going to start to like lecture on economics, right? Like I can't say like, oh, I just close my eyes and I go into meditation. And now I'm like, I've just downloaded something that can now allow me to like teach economics. It doesn't work like that. But if you say to me, um, you know, in economics, there's this idea that it's uh, it's good that one percent of less than one percent of the world 
controls 99% of the wealth. I can go inside and be like, that doesn't feel right. Like that, like that, that I'm not sure about that, you know? Um, and that's what I mean about kind of like questioning what it is that we're getting from the media or that science is telling us, because there's something inside of us that's like, hang on a minute. Like what, why is it right that there's people who's starving in the world, like starving and dying and watching family members die when, and can't afford access to medication when there's people living in that level of wealth? It sounds like you're talking about some kind of inner compass that, that points in some direction and goes, mm, something about this doesn't feel quite right. Maybe I need to, you know, work out why, why that doesn't feel right. And maybe, maybe I'm feeling uncomfortable about the wealth disparity and wealth inequality. And I'm not sure what the solution is politically because that's an economics intelligence question going, okay, these guys have studied... Okay, but what I'm feeling is I'm wanting everybody, I guess, to be happy and have enough. And that's the inner thing, the inner, that's the inner compass that you're talking about, that level of intuition, I suppose. Yes, I love that summary. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm really, <laughs> I want to say I'm just really impressed by your brain because I feel like I am, I don't consider myself very woo-woo, but then I'm talking to you and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Like, maybe, I feel like okay. I've got my feet on in both camps, but maybe I've just been in Ubud Valley a little bit too long and haven't been I mean, yes. <laughs> the, bu- the bubble for a while. And I just really yeah. appreciate the way that you're reflecting things back because, yes, you're helping put a more um, understandable uh, label on what it is that I mm-hmm. believe. And I would say, yes, it is some mm-hmm. kind of inner compass that we get, which allows mm-hmm. us to navigate the information that we're given. You know, and we're constantly yes. bombarded with yes. information. So yes, connecting to that inner compass mm. inside yourself is very important. It sounds like if, if I'm the master of my life and I can change my direction, does that just mean poor people aren't doing life properly because they're not manifesting well enough and that's why they're poor? Or if you're sick with an autoimmune disease, it's like, are you just not manifesting health enough and your reality is not good enough? Is it your own fault if, if we are responsible for our reality? Is it just poor people's fault? Is it just sick people's fault? Yeah, this is a really good question. And it's one that makes me like so sad that that's what people believe. And and I think it's just, again, like I'm sending a broken record, it's the belief system. It's the tape. So our subconscious mind is like a tape player that's just playing the beliefs that we get. So until we're six, seven years old, Our brain is in a theta state. If you hook a kid up to, I think it's an ECG machine, we're usually in alpha states of consciousness. So that's a normal state of consciousness that we're in. And as a child, until the age of six or seven, the imaginary world and what we know as reality, it's mixed. So we're in a theta state, which is like a state of hypnosis. So we're just downloading programs all the time about how the world works because we're having to Mm. learn how to um, how to exist within our family, how to survive in our family, how to tie our shoelaces, how to, we're having to learn so many different things, but how to like operate at school, how to learn mm. things. So we're in a different state of consciousness, but we're just downloading these programs. And so if we're growing up in a poor family, we are forming beliefs about money. And we're, we're like, oh, I have to work three jobs in order to be able to survive. And I need to be exhausted. So we're getting these beliefs directly Mm. into our subconscious minds. And then if you're growing up in a really wealthy family, you're like, 
oh, I make two phone calls to my friends and then I close a, a deal and drinking martinis and I don't know what rich people drink. <laughs> That's what James Bond drinks. So I can James imagine Bond, it's, yeah, uh, cool. yeah. He's rich. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, and then we, we close the deal and then, yeah, uh, that's how we make $50 million, right? So these are different mm-hmm. beliefs that are going directly into the, the child's brain. And then we grow up with these belief systems. And and that's mm-hmm. what ends up happening in life. Like, that's how we believe the world works. Same with, like, the manifesting a dream partner, right? If you grow up in a family where your parents are, like, constantly arguing with each other, but they're saying that they love you or they're um, telling you that you're not good enough, but they love you, that's really, like, confusing. And we're getting the – we're downloading the beliefs that, oh, love looks like arguing, Love looks like domestic abuse. Love looks like right. what all these, un, like what I would say, unhealthy, unnecessary belief systems. And then we go out into the world and we're like, oh, like this is what love looks like. This is on a subconscious level. I don't believe anyone does this on a conscious level, but it feels comfortable. It feels familiar to us. And so that's the, that's the dynamic that we end up in, you know? So I don't think that it's poor people's fault at all that they end up being poor. I think that it's the beliefs that people get before they're able to be aware of the beliefs that are being programmed into their minds. That's why they end up poor. But it is possible for everyone to use their conscious mind to become aware of the programs that are running in the subconscious mind Mm -hmm. and to change them. And the changing part for me comes through techniques like EFT. There are other ways when I look at your website and I look at some of this stuff, the instant knee jerk is like, oh, she's some spiritual woo. It's like a magical kind of power. But hearing you explain it, I feel like a, like a sociologist or someone hearing you explain it go, yeah, like our culture breeds what we th- how we think the world works. And then we're in a society that only has these opportunities. And you think that's a normal opportunity. Whereas if you grew up in a class or a household that goes, you don't work for less than this minimum wage. And so when you're in a job that's paying you less, you're like, nah, see you later. And you go use your other connections again other things and so it's sounding it's sounding like not very woo and so i think it's but so i think it's interesting for people as as it's kind of like in between these things going okay well it could work like this and here's the technique that you use to i suppose empower people and go okay you do believe it's possible for people to break their tracks break their subconscious things break the stories they've been told by culture and society and you use tapping to do that because you believe it's on this subconscious layer of our reality that then dictates our actions and how we interact with reality. So in order for us to move out of feeling stuck, of maybe hating ourselves, we identify those beliefs and then we begin to change them. And then reality, whether it manifests literally or it's just what we notice and then how we interact with it, then that's how we manifest or improve our lives. Does that sound about right? Yes, in a nutshell. Love it. So Matt. How hard did I push? What do you reckon? Did I miss something? Should I have drilled down a little bit more? I tried to hit like, is it poor people's fault? You know, like, yeah, she wouldn't. Yeah, I would. I honestly thought the melting she, point of steel thing, the nine eleven thing. You saw that reference yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, I was, I was, like, I was oh. going, does this, does this? Because some friends of the show would be thinking, I have a friend who's into this new age or woo, the classic, mm. classical woo stuff, and they end in conspiracy theories. I'm yeah. hearing that, so I'm like, I was trying to go, do you end in conspiracy? Like, where does this lead if I'm the arbiter? Yeah. I'm the person and I can't trust science. So I was trying to dig into that. Do you think I pushed hard enough? I thought it was appropriate. It was good. Yep. It was some good. I th- it was some good questions. And I think 
Did I miss something? No, Fred. like I, it was good you pulled you pulled out that conspiracy aspect because there's some there is a strange correlation that I see in the anecdotally. Space as well. I notice it anecdotally. It's just that the more the more self the more like you would say immersed in this culture, the more skeptical they become of like mainstream mainstream science. Yeah, yeah, right. yes. For some reason, I don't yes. specifically know. Yes, but maybe because as well uh, to embrace the worldview. Like for example, they go super into like fringe quantum physics stuff, mm-hmm. and to embrace that, they're like, well, science cannot. Science is not there. It's holding us back. They end from up there. trusting science less. Yeah, because it's. It's just like it's science hasn't caught up to. They find this the edges revelation. of science, yeah. Where science says, which good science will say, don't know, beyond the scope of this study. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then they'll go, see, science doesn't know. Yeah. So yeah, interesting, interesting. So I tried mm. to, I tried to push, push a little bit where I could there, and it sounds like particularly the poverty thing was a, a good question. Mm. Question I wish I asked. Mm. Why aren't you a millionaire? Why don't you manifest some more money? She could be. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> I didn't ask for a net wealth, but but maybe that she would say she's like you know that doesn't mean attracting wealth. Wealth yeah, for her she is she 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 said goodbye to that wealth mm. by not you know going into advertising. True. So she's experiencing wealth. That's that would always be my question to like the people be like. Why are you coaching then? She enjoys it. You can just manifest the money. But yeah, they'll say I enjoy it. So fair enough. Probably, maybe it's not a good question I I could have asked. Um, So I found her not as woo as I thought, to be honest. No. Like very open, liked skepticism, didn't like the pushback. It was Mm. cordial. It was, she kind of enjoyed it and engaged with it quite well. So so as I'm processing this idea, we'll wrap up for friends of the show listening. A lot of the scientific language she's using, I'm just aware of my own limitations as a layman. She's using words like, you know, serotonin and when the, I vaguely know what that is, yeah. but, and then saying um, like your brain's in a theta state, a beta state. That, yeah. That's me going, oh, ding, fact check light goes off. Bit. Not that I'm saying she's wrong, but I'm just going, I know nothing about these words. So yeah. I put that in the... Do more research later, Conrad, on YouTube, obviously. Uh, do more research later. So the, all those claims I kind of put in the off to the side and go, okay, maybe, if true, cool. Yeah. Um, and then at its best, Matt, you're seeing this idea, what do you think at its best it could be? I think at its best, I think it could challenge people to um, go deep within and see what is potentially, like, I, I don't think a lot of people think of this stuff. Mm. I think they're just like, honestly, would be walking through life on autopilot. Mm. Not unsure as to why they're triggered by X, mm. Y, Z. And I think a great journey, a, using a coach such as her could, could teach them would be like, let's examine why you always, um, you, you're always putting yourself down. Like why? Mm. And like, maybe like, Maybe there's a role there for, for a coach at its best mm. that is inappropriate for a psychologist, like in cognitive behavioral therapy, okay. where um, they can really more directly challenge you and they can really more directly go to some of those places. Yeah. Even if it's like questionable scientific backing, mm-hmm. still the process of someone, even if it's happening, you know, like it's obviously harmless, but like yes. maybe. <laughs> oh, minor brain damage. But maybe brain? it's a mechanism yeah. of like it's a ritual. A ritual. Interesting. Of, that would help someone get into that state of mind and go, oh, wait, this Taking is Taking 10 here. minutes a day. 
because we all know this, like Conrad, you know it in people, you meet people like, particularly our family members that really trigger us. Mm-hmm. Having that conversation, you can you can hear the, sub- the subconscious programming coming out. Mm-hmm. You can ad- easily identify it in others. Yes, harder in yourself. Harder in yourself. And so, so you sit there and look at yourself for once kind sure. of thing. And so at its best, I think that personally. Mm. And so then at its worst, the danger zones, I suppose, like- Yeah, I mean, which is, I think, where you started pushing against. It's kind of what I was bringing up. Yeah. I mean, at its worst, it's like you could spend money on a coach that is kind of maybe scamming you. Yeah. Not saying she is. I'm just saying like in this world of, you know- It's unregulated. Yeah. 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 It's unregulated and you're going- You're like, oh, this person's got 10,000 followers and they're a coach living in India. So at its worst, you could lose some money. Yeah. So- yeah, that could be something. And and then I touched on conspiracy. At, at its worst, you could like maybe... But if she was a real conspiracy mm-hmm. nut, I felt she would have pushed harder at that point. Oh, I didn't... I'm not saying anything... No, no, no. I'm saying at the point view. of her, like I'm just saying, yeah, I'm, it's just more in the sense, I think she's a version of at its best in the sense that it just seemed that... I didn't get... I mean, I didn't get many woo levels. I guess what I'm saying is like, if I take this worldview of... Trust yourself, trust your inner compass, trust your inner wisdom. At its worst, maybe people can go, cool, I don't need science and I don't need um, external input. I know within some things that maybe Mm. you can't know within. Maybe you do need the intelligence brain to go do a bit of scientific research. When it comes to health, I think when it it juts up against like, imagine having an autoimmune disease that doctors are struggling to solve, you could end up being pretty desperate and throwing a lot of money at yeah at maybe solutions that aren't proven so that could be a, that could be at its worst 100 percent. yeah once again like, not saying not saying she's doing this oh thing. no like i'm in yeah. like i'm in that space right like i'm in the more natural health. leaning health space yeah. in our company what we do and i see that all the time people just assume that their own intuition is superior to science mm. and, and they, you would say that's they dangerous. would always lean towards a natural approach just because it's natural but not understanding that pharmaceuticals are also natural as well. Come from natural <laughs> like, you right. know, like they're not, they're just like more engineered, but they're yeah, not. You would say that you paid off shill by Big Pharma. <laughs> I'm all about the natural approach. But like, what about the explanatory power of what she's saying? Like, okay. what would you say? That's another thing that we like to, as a little touch point of mm. like. What does it explain? I mean, is it something that it's, it's, it's straddling known areas of science? Like we mm. obviously, like we've talked about, the crazy parts of Jung and all that that got really deep into this subconscious mind exploration. Mm. We know, look, you can read Sam Harris's book on free will and can see, wow, we make decisions. They've done experiments and they show that we make decisions on in experiments before we're co- like consciously aware that we're making it's that very decision. Interesting. It's super fascinating. Yes. So you can- What's the draw You grab card? a bit of quantum physics, you grab a bit of this fringe stuff or not, not fringe stuff, you'd say, you reach here, you reach there, you reach there. Yeah. Call yourself a coach. Could be a recipe, a recipe for disaster, mm. or it could just be like an amazing person that can hold space for you and help you process through yeah. some shit. That yeah. you may just connect t- with that person. That that person you spent hundreds of dollars that has all the right degrees. Yeah, that is boring as bad. Didn't shit. click with you. It didn't click. Yeah. But you talk to a lovely lady a doctor like with her. more charisma without the degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just be like you could talk to yeah. her, and she's. She's good at what she does because she's she knows how to get results in people. Yeah, she sees lots of patterns. It's like when you you see that Tony Robbins documentary. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not your, your guru. guru. Netflix. Yeah, not yeah. sponsored. It's another great way of like like putting yourself in that world. Mm. 
And it's what I find interesting watching Tony and people at that event, like people spend thousands of dollars for them to get up and for him to like to berate them and like at times mm. like really aggressive. But the interesting thing with Tony is that he's done this so many times. He's got like, it's not 10,000 hours. It's like 100,000 hours of time of just seeing patterns mm. and, and just identifying it straight away. Right. This person, <clears throat> this guy has got this, this girl, that, that, that. You can see him doing that. Is it dangerous? Potentially, but mm. sometimes effective. I've got so many people that have been so impacted by his stuff. I wonder if there's any data on guys like Tony Robbins. They're big enough it's to not, have a I big I think that was set. part of the point of the documentary. It's just like, we're not sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, right. people spend a lot of money here and it helps some people. And yeah. like, and what do you do with that in that self-development space? Like it's just yeah. this real gray area. Yeah. Unregulated. So why not? Why not? Do some tapping. Do some... See how it goes. See how it goes. Then go see a psychologist. If you want to just like lean in both worlds and, and hedge your bets yeah. going into the casino yeah. of, of this idea, go give it a go. Like as then she said, just give it a go. See just if it works. It well, Matt. You did. Artists Digest first. Whoa. I road tested this bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> I hopped in the car, put my hands on the wheels, put the seat back. Yeah. And for super friends of the show. Because here's the here's the pull to head to artistdigest.org, yeah. get the podcast ad free, get bonus content like I'm about to share with you, and connect with me on the reg. If, yeah. that, if that sounds like something you're into, slide in the comments, <laughs> slide into my personal private DMs, yeah. and I'll give you Matt's number too. <laughs> Just there's a bonus this week going uh, for the next thirty minutes only. But Matt, I did tap it with her mm -hmm. for about twenty minutes, twenty five minutes. Oh wow, and. Uh, I was pretty vulnerable. Oh wow! So you you gave it a good. Red. I was honest, and what would what was Brooke's meter of your? Brooke honor? was loving it. My she wife Brooke, just like finally, she was in the room and she my was Conrad. Look at him, <laughs> she's discovering like, that that tender connect with your emotions, emotional part of himself. <laughs> she was loving it, and I was sitting there just thinking. Yeah, Brooke is really enjoying this right yeah. now. So did I, she give you any like like really condescending looks at the end? I'm just like so. Oh. Did anything come out, Conrad? I'm not saying from her. I'm saying from Brooke. <laughs> from Brooke. Brooke. Yeah, she did. Are you going to be a bit less selfish now? <laughs> <laughs> she she looks at me. Brooke. Yeah, she gives me that that eye that's like, so how was it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that knowing. So how did was you it? Discover anything? Yeah. So I was actually we pretty honest and vulnerable, which is why I'm sharing it with the super friends because we're a nice little tight community there. Yeah. I sh honestly, yeah, I, I share. Some emotions, some things I'm struggling with. I sit, I sit with it. I'm, I'm pretty honest, which is, you know, I like to, I have a veneer. I have walls up, you mm. know, this fun, loving, charismatic guy. I'm not always like that. Yeah. And so if you'd like to hear me road test and you and I break down what that was like, artistdigest.org, support the show. We've loved having you here. Hopefully this was an excellent adventure into a new idea. I, TLDR, give it a go. I found someone who believes this stuff is from the devil. So stay tuned. Maybe it is. <laughs> Maybe it is. Catch you in the next episode. See you next week.